Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Bread. This week we have on Altair, who is the core dev of Unsheath, a brand new, or I shouldn't say brand new, but a few month old uh, LSD5 project. How are you doing today, Altair? Uh, thanks for having me, David. Uh, doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. So you guys have been kind of a little bit of like the hot LSD Fi token uh, or project, I should say, for the last like month or two. Uh, I guess just to give a little background on yourself before we get into it, why did you start on Sheath and like what's uh, what what was your motivation? Uh, yeah, good question. So I've been in the DeFi space uh, like five to six years uh, before it was called DeFi. I used to work as a quant and eventually started working on uh, protocols. So I actually worked on some of the early um, like AMMs, stablecoin DEXs, um, LSDs, did contribute to Curve a little bit. And so I had like a lot of prior context on um, like LSDs before they were created. And uh, I guess the idea of letting people stake their ETH uh, seemed like it could be a good business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I ran one of the first liquid staking protocols. And it was through running that, that I started to realize that, wait a second, this business doesn't really have a, a moat. And I knew that going in, but um, you know, you could very quickly gain lots of TVL by creating a, you know, like flywheels powered by incentives. Uh, and it became very easy for protocols, I guess, to um, start sucking up lots of ETH put it to work, mm-hmm. securing the network, and then simultaneously deliver those returns to users. Um, and eventually, you know, my liquid staking uh, protocol that I was working with, um, it got outcompeted by some some larger liquid staking protocols. And um, once I sort of pivoted away into other areas of DeFi for a little bit, uh, I took a second look at liquid staking as Shanghai was on the horizon because mm-hmm. Shanghai being on the horizon was very interesting, right? Because that was the first time that you could actually redeem LSDs and actually, you know, go from LSD A into LSD B, right? Mm-hmm. This monopoly that we had on liquid staking finally had a shot at being disrupted. Right. And so, you know, I, I dabbled in other parts of DeFi like fixed income and NFTs, but staking was kind of my, uh, uh, I guess, my first love. Right. And so I, I, I saw an opportunity to, to do something new here, do something that could actually potentially um, disrupt the liquid staking monopoly in a way that is net positive for the ecosystem. Right. Uh, as great of a product as uh, Lido is, I think that the centralization risks that it introduces um, were were becoming concerning to the community. And to their credit, I think they've done a great job of uh, addressing some of them in their V2. But nonetheless, uh, I saw a need for basically more liquid staking protocols. And I wanted to make uh, on one hand, the process of actually bootstrapping a liquid staking protocol easier for for builders. On the other hand, I um, obviously wanted to roll this into something that gives users a better yield, right? And so that's mm-hmm. how the idea of 
Unsheath was born. Um, in V1, we basically just wanted to collect uh, a bunch of the major LSDs and um, and then facilitate a, a sort of reshuffling of them post Shanghai. So that that's kind of where we started. Okay, cool, cool. And how old is Unsheath now? So Unsheath went live in uh, in February. Mm-hmm. It is now May. So uh, almost four months. Awesome. Okay. So to back up for a second, because I wanted to get overall LSD five for the listeners before we get more into what Unsheath does. Um, you mentioned like Shanghai and Lido and all these things. Um, I guess one, like what would you define LSD five as and why I guess, is it like such a big thing now um, post Shanghai in your opinion? Yeah. So LSD in, in my mind is pretty much just DeFi primitives built with uh LSDs as a first class asset, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of ETH. Now, why is it such a big deal post Shanghai? Is because post Shanghai, you can actually redeem staked ETH for the first time. And now that begs the question why shouldn't all ETH be staked ETH, right? When mm-hmm. you put you know money in your in your checking account, it is still earning like some interest. No one, no one refuses to earn interest if there's an easy way for them to do so right so just rebuilding DeFi primitives with the uh, lsds uh, as a sort of base asset was the thesis behind lsd and uh creating new markets and mechanisms that also just enable like the backing of lsd products to be i guess balanced and and decentralized um now that lsds are sort of proven right in the sense that you can actually redeem staked ETH there's no reason not to stake your ETH right and so Mm -hmm. in order to sort of uh, deal with this new paradigm of staked ETH replacing ETH uh, I think that's really the the wave that the LSD5 movement is is really riding and um, I guess the vision is really just to yeah like like I said replace um, all ETH with staked ETH um, because this contributes not only to the security of the network, but it's just better for users to have a, an income producing asset, right? That actually leads into what my next question was, is uh, what percent like staked ETH do you think will be, or I should say of a percent of the state of the ETH supply will be staked over the next, let's say like 18 months-ish, by, like by the end of next year, by the end of 2024. What do you think if you had to guess? So we're starting off at uh, about 15%. Now mm-hmm. that number is about a month old. So um, I don't think it's changed too much. I don't see why we shouldn't be at 90%. And uh, Wow, you think 90? Okay. So, I've, seen, yeah. I've seen lots of different estimates. Some people think only 50. I personally think we'll get to like 80 plus, but I've heard other arguments against it. I'd like to hear yours. So yeah, uh, why do we why do we even need vanilla ETH? There's only one real reason that we need it. Um, suppose it's integrated in all DeFi protocols. It has liquidity. That one reason is uh, short-term ETH needs, immediate-term ETH needs, which are paying gas. Uh, and by the way, a, a layer two 
using Unsheath as a base asset is also part of our roadmap. It's called Unsheathium. So uh, we we are going to hopefully solve that last mile problem as well. And then uh, as close to 100% uh, of ETH as we can get will be staked. That's the vision. Can you explain that a little more? You said Unsheath VM? Uh, Unsheathium. So Unsheathium oh, is, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. That's sort of the internal name that we have for uh, a a layer two that uses unsheath as the main token right not mm, us unsheath. so gotcha. you can take gas in the interest bearing you know or staking yield bearing version of uh of eth right and so you right. don't need to unwrap into ETH. that's the general idea um mm-hmm. if you can do that then what do you actually need eth for right all of it can be staked Right. So the argument right now for, like like you said, the challenge is just that the liquidity is fragmented because obviously you have ST ETH with Lido and then Coinbase ETH, Frax ETH, whatever, right? All these different ones. Um, And so the problem is just like you said, there shouldn't really be a reason besides gas fees that anyone would hold regular ETH besides liquidity right now, right? Um, You guys obviously are trying to solve that a bit. Uh, do you think your like basket solution is the way we're going to fix this liquidity fragmentation? Uh, I'm sure there can be multiple solutions, but this just seems like the most uh, simple and straightforward way to do it. Um, yeah, like w- there should there should be, uh, I think, uh, an option for new LSDs to tap into this liquidity pool very easily, right? Mm-hmm. Unsheath enables that. Um, you can also have like, just, just to give a counter example, you can also have, uh, index products that only have like maximum blue chip LSDs that don't make it easy to add or remove new LSDs. Mm -hmm. And you can say, well, this covers 90% of the liquid staking TVL, right? It doesn't have to be as permissionless as unsheathed. Right. You know, users might accept that trade off, but uh, we believe that, um, yeah, Unsheath is still the best way to do it. Uh, I've heard some people say that they think that um, anybody who has like a large amount of ETH uh, will pretty much spin up their own like LSD. Do you think that is likely to happen and that maybe like something like Unsheath because it's permissionless will be like this basket of like hundreds of LSDs at some point? I don't think Unsheath V2 in its current form is going to be uh, ever going to be a basket of 100 LSDs. I think the Unsheath DAO is going to be relatively conservative and risk averse in terms of adding new LSDs. I do think at a certain point, it may make sense to have uh, an Unsheath of Unsheath. That is to say, there's like buckets or tranches of LSDs. And for example, your Rocket Pool, your Lido, your Coinbase. Maybe they're in an in an A tranche, right? And then mm-hmm. your newer LSDs, they're in a they're in a, a double B tranche, something like that, right? right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think this sort of tranching will sort of emerge uh, as designs uh, inspired by Unsheath and produced by the Unsheath team evolve to accommodate a growing ecosystem of um, liquid staking products. So it, it, it's it's hard to say, right, what it's going to look like when we have 100 protocols. I do think 
some kind of uh, tranching and, and unification into a single uh, state ETH representation asset will be the uh, will be the standard. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see why not, right? We we want to have maximum composability. Um, we don't want to go back in the direction of fragmentation, right? Right. The biggest criticism I would say against your approach would be that by owning Unsheath, you have smart contract risk to many different LSDs. What would be your uh, kind of answer or counter to that? Yeah, so uh, Unsheath is not like an AMM LP that users are used to having it because we have a system of weight caps. And weight caps are basically uh, a mechanism designed to facilitate the siloing of risk of any individual token within the basket. And the way it works is, let's say we add a new LSD, right? We add a bread ETH. And we onboard, uh, yeah, red, red ETH with a 2% weight cap and a 1% target weight. Now, what that means is that new ETH inflows will be deposited into bread ETH up until that 1% target weight is reached. But let's say that people, you know, are executing swaps and uh, what have you. And eventually we have like 1.8%, 1.9%. Um, bread ETH within Unsheath, uh, under no circumstances will the contract actually allow more than 2% of the ETH in Unsheath to be comprised of bread ETH. So in the event that there is some catastrophic loss to bread ETH, right, uh, whether that's a contract hack or something happens at the um, uh, consensus layer level, such as slashing, then mm -hmm. uh, what that means for unsheath holders is they're walking away with uh, 98 cents on the dollar. Their maximum loss is the um, weight cap for any given LSD. So their maximum loss uh, would be 2% um, in this case. And if there's a blue chip that gets hacked and the weight cap for that blue chip is 35%, then 35% is the maximum loss sustained to the user. So it's still like not as bad as if you had just held that risky asset. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of the trade-off uh, you're making and how we manage it. I see. I see. Do you think that, obviously, uh, not like an easy thing to answer, but like, will there be some type of discount applied to uh anyone who's doing your approach for your ETH just because there is somewhat of a, a risk involved, even if it's like a, you know, 1%, 2% off regular ETH price, or do you think it'll be pegged? Uh, as in, do I think Unsheath is going to trade at a discount? Yeah, to account for a potential like additional risk that may be with owning Unsheath. Does STETH trade at a discount? Does our ETH trade it at a discount? It did at some point, and <laughs> now it doesn't. Um, now that there's a, um, now that the Q for the um, for stake ETH is on the deposit side, not the withdrawal side. What that's telling you is more people want to stake ETH than uh, people want to withdraw ETH. And you actually can't start earning stake ETH yield right now if you were to spin up your own validator. And that implies that there's actually mm -hmm. going to be a premium associated with assets like Unsheath. 
Gotcha. Oh, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. I like that. Okay. Uh, I had to give you the, 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 you know, the hard criticisms first, but uh wanted to step back for a second because there were a few other LSD uh topics that I wanted to ask you about. Um, one common thing that's been talked about is DVT distributed validator technology. Um, do you have thoughts on that? And can you explain that uh, to everybody? Can I explain distributed validator technology? Um, so I probably not the best person to explain it, but I'm happy to take a stab at it. And basically DVT is um, uh, when one liquid staking protocol has a mechanism essentially for ensuring that the validators um, that are running under the same protocols umbrella are in fact, you know, they're, they're in different locations and managed by different operators, right? And essentially, mm -hmm. there's not one single set of keys, right? That is, uh, you know, make it or break it, uh, existential risk for the entire set of validators, right? Um, that's my understanding of DVT. And I know it's implemented differently by different um, providers. Everyone's uh, trying to have some version of it. So as to say that, like, hey, guys, you know, we want our LSD to be the only LSD. But uh, if you look at our validator set, um, it's provably decentralized, right? Mm -hmm. um, some protocols like Ether5 may take this a step further. And they may say, like, uh, you can stake with us, but you actually, you, you have ownership of your private keys, right? Um, mm -hmm. so the exact implementation differs from uh, provider to provider. And uh, I can't say that I have like any one specific favorite or there's any one uh, version of it that I think is going to be the future. Um, Unsheath is, you know, we, we operate at the LSD level of the stack. So we are, um, we build on top of LSDs and LSDs build to be on Unsheath, right? Um, using DVT or uh, choosing to use any specific flavor of DVT is a choice that happens one level below our stack, right? That happens mm -hmm. at the um, level of the LSD protocols themselves. So to that end, we're a little bit removed from being directly involved with it. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay, let's talk about Ush, the token, a little more specifically. Um, or I guess actually, before I get into that, uh, you talked about Moat earlier. And uh, obviously, you guys have launched first, but there are many others trying to uh, compete with you now. What is like your strategy for essentially beating out the competition uh, when it comes to Unsheath? Uh, yeah, good question. So I I take a lot of inspiration from uh, companies like FinTech and Plaid in the sense that they're building sort of three-sided marketplaces. And if you have a three-sided marketplace, right? Like you've got uh, you've got LSDs and you've got users, um, and you've got uh, well, in this case, the LPs are the users. Uh, but you've got you've got traders, you've got LPs, and you've got um, the LSDs themselves. Whenever you have a, a three-sided marketplace, um, like Square, for example, which connects users, small business owners, um, and banks and you're first to market and you have a good product, it is very easy to have stickiness of your product because in order to convince uh, the you know, user base to move over to a competing solution, um, 
Now it's said that you need to offer a, a, a 10x better UX in, in web 2.0 or FinTech. I think in web three, you need to just offer a slightly better yield. It is easier to poach users, but you need to offer a marginal improvement to every side of the marketplace, right? You need to mm -hmm. offer a better deal to liquid staking providers. Uh, you need to offer a better uh, yield to users. You need to offer a better um, like fee structure to traders. All of that you need to do to um, basically convince um, users to move over to another solution, right? All of the mm -hmm. ecosystem, like, and, and as you do this, right, um, it's important to develop like ecosystem integrations as well, because the more ecosystem integrations you have, one, the better distribution your product has, and two, uh, that ecosystem integration typically also comes with some kind of co-incentives. So uh, that brings down your bottom line spending on liquidity incentives as well. So um, basically now you've created this very high hurdle wherein your competitor not only has to uh, offer a better product to three sets of, or you know, yeah, three sets of users, but they also have to um, go and ha get the same integrations that you have, right? Get the same ecosystem integrations uh, in order to have the same utility that your product has. And if they don't do that, not only is it hard to convince users to um, to switch, they're also just burning a lot more of their uh, incentives so look like capital is mercenary in DeFi, and i think it's going to remain the case for a while um mm -hmm. but we basically just try to optimize for um user experience on all sides and uh the stickiness of the product is really just downstream of that in my opinion which um like you mentioned marketplaces right and typically in any type of marketplace if you're trying to build it there's a certain group that is harder and more important, right? Like if you're like eBay, the customers are more important because the sellers will go to where the customers are. What would you say is like the most important part of the marketplace for you guys? Oh, definitely the liquid staking providers. Um, okay. Yeah, a hundred percent. Right. If I if if I support some like no name LSDs from day one, right, and my whole basket is comprised of them, and mm -hmm. they they're LSDs that could be great, but they just came out yesterday, then. Uh, users are going to be a lot more hesitant because then it's not like, oh, hey, I can bring my Lido ETH to this platform. Hey, I can bring my Coinbase ETH to this platform. It's now I'm using this platform that's minting some like random, you know, ETH token I've never heard of. Can I get my mm -hmm. money out? I don't know. So uh, I think in order to sort of address that, we started with the top um for LSDs that we felt were the most popular, supported them from day one versus mm -hmm. trying to go to them with zero TVL and say like, hey guys, uh, we're building this great product. We have no users yet, but do you want to come and uh, be on our marketplace, right? So we just mm -hmm. had them there from day one uh, without them paying for us so that we could get TVL. So now when we're in talks with the uh, liquid staking protocols and they're, they're you know making proposals to get added to Unsheath, there is TVL for them to want, right? Um, so that's that's sort of how we address the cold start issue there. Gotcha. And so for Unsheath itself, obviously one of the most important parts is uh, getting lots of liquidity so that people can use it. Um, what is your strategy there? 
yeah, so I'm a tokenomics standpoint, doing something like what Yearn did, uh, having like heavy uh, front-loaded emissions at the start, I think really facilitated just getting a lot of ETH deposited into the protocol, right? Mm -hmm. um, having, in terms of protocol design, also just having something that um, has a lock with a clearly defined end date helps a lot because users know when they'll be able to get their funds back and they know in what form that's going to look, right? So when you're launching a new protocol, uh, it really helps to sort of give users this, you know, guaranteed escape hatch or, you know, you can exit for sure at this date. Um, mm -hmm. That combined with heavily front-loaded incentives, I think is a very simple, very tried and true playbook for uh, accumulating lots of TVL, right? Um, but obviously, when you're starting out, you're doing this in a way that is like by definition unsustainable, right? So it's after after you have a little bit of a flywheel going, the question then becomes, uh, okay, I'm getting all this TVL. What do I do with it, right? How do mm -hmm. I switch gears from uh, you know unsustainable kamikaze like incentives to um, like real sustainable growth, not just um, you know attracting mercenary um, yield farmers, right? So mm -hmm. that's that's like a, a separate question, but yeah, to to address you, the TVL gathering, that's how we did it. Do you have a number, roughly, of TVL where you think that you'll hit like a certain critical mass? Do you think it's like a few hundred million, billion, something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, the target is to to get a billion dollars in TVL um, this summer, and I think that's definitely doable. Oh, okay, this summer, you got a few months. How, are you going to get a billion in a few months? You think? Yeah, You're I mean, what we, right uh, now? Thirty-five, I think I checked before. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So thirty x. I mean, we did a thirty x in the last uh, month or two, so I don't think uh, it's completely out of this world. Okay, um, let's get into the tokenomics of Ush itself. Um, you guys recently launched VD Ush, and you've talked about. Uh, what is it, VDUSH333 and all these, like, can you explain uh, kind of the theory behind the tokenomics? Yeah, so I'm, I'm, just, a, I'm just a core dev. I, I don't really, uh, the, the, the DAO is the one that really runs the, the, the tokenomics stuff now. Um, mm -hmm. But really, uh, VDUSH is basically just like, um, you know, VE curve, right? The original vote escrowed token. Mm -hmm. where you can lock up the token for um, you know uh, a, a maximum period of time and then that corresponds to like voting power in the DAO and that voting power linearly decays over time. So to make a concrete example, uh, you lock up one ush for uh, 12 months, then you get like one VD ush, right? And then mm -hmm. that will sort of linearly decay. Um, but your underlying ush balance doesn't change it'll just be locked for one year. And so like, let's say you have six months left in the lock, right? And you have half in Ush. And you basically, you use that in um, in governance. And then you also um, will potentially earn co-incentives um, in the form of tokens of other protocols, in the form of uh, Ush emissions. Um, and there may also be um, yeah, some, some kind of, boosts for unsheath yield but again like 
uh, I would point you to the Unsheathed Governance Forums to uh, sort of see the latest developments on this because I'm, I'm mostly just involved with the protocol side. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, you might not be able to answer this as well, but uh, as far as one of the things you guys talked about early on or was rumored was you guys already are working with Aura, I believe, to get balancer uh, or like incentivized for balancer liquidity. Um, are you planning on doing like some type of bribe market at some point potentially with uh, Ush? Uh, I, I think so. There are a few folks at um, uh, Redacted uh, mm -hmm. Cartel who are, are currently working on uh, some kind of integration with Unsheath enabling this. Um, I think I'm going to have to keep it light on the on the details and you know let that be officially announced. Okay. When it gets announced. okay. Okay. Um, what do you think about the other approaches that you've seen um, from other like LSD five protocols? Like one popular thing I've seen is uh, like LSD backed stable coins and things like that. What do you think about those types of products? I think it's pretty cool because uh, if you have assets that are generating uh, yield and you're borrowing at a certain rate, and if the rate at which you're earning is greater than the interest that you're paying, you know, mm -hmm. to mint a synthetic stablecoin or borrow a stablecoin, then what you have is a uh, a self-repaying loan, right? Um, it's a margin loan that is basically free. Um, so I think it's I, I think it's it's a great use case for something like uh, Unsheath. And how do you look at like the LSD Fi landscape as far as who you're more competing with versus who, who you might collaborate with? Well, we are, are collaboration centric, of course. I don't think that uh, we necessarily compete with anyone. They might compete with us uh, temporarily. Um, but yeah, no, uh, uh, we, we see ourselves as complementary to. Um, to, to the entire LSD Fi ecosystem. In fact, uh, there is a, uh, a project out there called Tenet that actually is doing, um, you know, what we envision to be unsheathium, right? Uh, so Tenet is building a, a layer two that uses um, liquid staked ETH as the base asset, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, we, we saw them executing on, you know, something that we had as part of our roadmap and, we basically just approached them and said, hey, like, uh, you know, let, let's collaborate instead of, uh, you know, hey, you got you guys are you guys are doing our roadmap. Wait a second. Like, uh, I think that's been our, our approach, right, to to if, if we see someone building something that we wanted to build, then we would rather support them. Right. Uh, with our ecosystem fund and with our um, like uh dev firepower as needed um, so that this can be something that everyone has access to, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're focused on just making the pie as large as possible um, rather than just compete over, you know, like yields for yields on single-sided ETH and like uh, unsheathed forks here and unsheathed forks there. Like that's just not even uh, really on our radar right now. Do you have any type of timeline on, on Sheathium URL2? Uh, 
Uh, Unsheathium, I, I can't provide any timeline on right now. Okay. Is it, is it something that would be like you hope to see at least, or can I ask this, has it begun at all, or is it just something you've talked about? I'll, I'll say this much. Uh, we're doing a little more than, than hoping to see it. Okay. All right. That's what I wanted to know. Um, so with that then, because I didn't know about that, um, that's very interesting. Is that like, w would the idea be that it's for specific uh, use cases and DeFi applications, or are you looking to just make like a like competitive L2 that will compete with all the others? So um, I'm not the 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 protocol lead on. Um on Unsheathium, but I think the idea is just to be like a, a roll-up, right? Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily compete with other L2s, but rather just serve specific use cases um, where it is, it is just superior to have staked ETH. Um, like I said, I, I have to be a little light on the details, um, both intentionally and both just due to me not being... Um, like the lead of that project. Mm -hmm. Understood. Okay. It's yeah. um, interesting. So you guys are now multi-chain, right? You're on um, um, Binance Smart Chain as well. And uh, you just went to Arbitrum too, I believe, right? That's correct. Uh, do you think we're just going to have like staked ETH just everywhere and it'll be like super liquid on all the chains and you'll be able to just easily like swap and transact between all these different chains absolutely um okay and then i guess one final question i had was on the pos like obviously all of it's focused on or i should say the lsd stuff is all focused on eth but obviously there's a lot of other proof of stake chains out there um do you think those will see like lsd traction at some point in the same way that like staked eth uh has seen a lot of traction Yes. And in fact, I think a lot of that has sort of already happened. You look at these other um, L2s and these other EVM chains, and they have, uh, they actually have better staking participation numbers than ETH. Mm. I, I think for the likes of um, Matic and, and what have you, it's closer to like 70, 80% of the asset is already staked, um, just in terms of like the top 10 POS chains. So ETH is actually a little lagging here. So I think most of the like upside and room for growth uh, exists within ETH. Mm -hmm. uh, if I had to take a guess as to like why that's the case, it's because a lot of these like POS chains, they were POS from day one, right? So they didn't have like this, um, this whole shebang of, okay, we're going to attach a POS um, consensus layer to a POW network, and then we're going to phase out the POW network over two years, and you have to keep right. your ETH for two years. Like all this stuff is because we sort of we we migrated from a POW chain to a POS chain, and that's why I think the um, the adoption of staked ETH has been relatively slower relative to any other like natively POS chain. That makes sense. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I think that was pretty much all the questions I had for you. This was very uh, interesting, but I think you guys are one of the leaders and I think you probably will continue to be. Um, 
Thanks so much for your time. If people want to learn more about uh, Unsheath uh, and find you, where can they find you? Uh, you can find us on uh, on the Unsheath website. Obviously, you can find us on Twitter. Our Twitter link is on the um, on the website. And then um, I also have a, a Twitter. It's EIP Altair, uh, which you can post uh, in in the description. Perhaps. Yeah, I'll put all the links in the description. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, this was great. Hope to talk to you again at some point. Thanks, David. I'll be expecting 1 billion. I'm betting on it. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Have a good one. Take care.